The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Turn there with me, please, while you remain standing. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 6. Are you ready? I have a friend of mine who watches uh, online one of our pastors and critiques my preaching. And uh, he said, dude, you're so intense. Why don't you just relax a little bit? I said, man, I, I'm just not, I don't have, what, what, I think I can quote my daughter Hannah. Dad, you don't have any chill. So, let me see if I can practice some chill while you're turning to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Sure is windy out there, isn't it? Praise God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, go down to verse 6. Hold on to your seats. But we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, how we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked, everybody say worked, worked. but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Somebody say, oh, snap. Verse 11. For we hear that there are some walking among you who are disorderly, in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Oh, snap. But now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey our word in this epistle or letter, note that person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy but admonish him as a brother. Lord, come and mess us up with truth. Just put your finger, just mess us up. Convict us, speak to us, talk to us. Lord, just take out the double-edged sword and slay anything on the inside of us that needs to be slain. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Prune me, Jesus. I want to talk to you about work. I've preached from this text before, a very similar message, but work is a gift from God. Work. Everybody say work. work. 
Work is a gift from God. God has actually given us work, and work is good. There's an understanding in, in the hearts of some who think that work is actually part of the fall. Work is not a part of the fall. Sweat of your brow, toil, labor, thorns, hard work is a part of the fall, but work is actually ordained by God. And you'll see that in, second, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And it seems now, again, if I can just teach you for a moment, when you read the epistles, now epistle is a Greek word for letter, okay? A Greek word for what? For letter. So when you read through these, First and Second Thessalonians, they're letters that are written to the church in Thessalonica in Greece. And so the letters, it's like a one-way communication. It's one, it's, it's, you're only hearing one side of the, of the story. But if Paul, if the Apostle Paul was writing under the unction of the Holy Spirit, bringing correction to those who are busybodies and, and those who are not working, how many of you know there were people that were busybodies? You know what that is? There were those who didn't have a job and wouldn't work and were basically freeloaders. And so it seems in the church of Thessalonica that there were false ideas about the Lord's second coming that had caused some to be idle. Now listen, I've seen this here in Alaska. I've had, I've had people say to me, I'm not going to get a job because the Lord's coming back. In fact, I've had people say to me, I'm not going to work because he called me to ministry. I'm thinking, dude... What are you talking about? And we correct and instruct and try to help people. I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to get insurance because the Lord's coming back, so I don't need insurance. Duh. It's the law to have insurance on your vehicle if you don't have insurance on your vehicle, park it. Because that's not righteous, right? So it seems that there's some that are spreading these false ideas about the Lord's second coming and uh, it caused people to be idle. And we don't know exactly what's going on, but we do know that there's a group of people who are living off of everyone else. Isn't this a popular message for America? If I get a little aggressive during my teaching tonight, know that I'm dealing with the spirit that tries to rest upon our nation. And if you're offended, just change. <laughs> it's fascinating. The Apostle Paul gives us a twofold work of God's word. And you see this in 2 Thessalonians 3.1. Talks about, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified. It's the work of evangelism. And the second task is, is uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, 4. Let's read that. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we commanded you. It's talking about being obedient. Now, we do have notes for you, and uh, we'd encourage you to fill those in as we, as we move along. It's not just our job to to preach the gospel. L listen very closely. Augustine said it this way. The greatest message ever preached is the one lived. In other words, you're preaching the gospel actually without words by your actions. Now, I, I, I agree that it's a great message when you see somebody who lives out the life of a Christian. But you still have to, you still have to talk. You still have to share. 
I struggled with bitterness towards a, a, a second or third cousin of mine on my mother's side who was a missionary to China during the Second World War. He would tell us about how Jesus would appear to him and give him instructions and told us about how, how God came to him and told him to take a left turn, avoiding tank traps and ambushes and all kinds of things. He was a medical missionary. In fact, he, he, he lived and purchased Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's castle in England. and That's the man who wrote Sherlock Holmes and, and lived there, and I, still, I believe it's still in the family on that side. He was a missionary to China for years. And as he was there, he told us all these stories. And I remember being like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten years old, hearing these stories, just been like, whoa, Jesus, I thought he was just on a cross. He actually came off the cross and he talked to you. You know, I was raised as a Catholic from my dad's side. He'd tell these stories, but he never once told us about the love of God and how he died on a cross for me how he rose in the grave for me, how I needed to believe in my heart and confess with my mouth and be saved. He never told me about being born again. He never told me about any of those things. And really, once I, when I got saved and realized that, I thought, what was wrong with that missionary, my cousin? How come he couldn't tell me about Jesus? Oh, but he lived it. You need to do both. Wow. It's not just our task to share the gospel, but to live it. And the truth is, there are many who witness and preach the word of God and do not live it. That is not who we are here. We believe in not only preaching it, declaring it, proclaiming it. We believe in living it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and you can turn back there if you want to, but let me read it to you. To aspire to live a quiet life and to attend your own business. To work with your hands. This is the NIV version, I believe. As we commanded you. In this way, you will live a decent life before outsiders and not be in need. It's interesting. Live a decent life before outsiders. If you look at the criteria for being a leader in the house of God, having a good reputation with outsiders is crucial. In fact, if somebody doesn't have a good reputation with outsiders, doesn't matter how they pray in tongues, doesn't matter how they cast out devils, doesn't matter what they do in the house, the outside reputation disqualifies them from being a leader in the house. So Paul was concerned, and uh, literally the spirit of the Antichrist had begun to operate in the church, and Paul deals with it. And what's amazing to me is the authority of Paul. The Apostle Paul walks in great authority. He commands them. He commands them. He's telling you, I command you. I mean, how's that for some boldness? Truth is, if we'd hear that today, we'd say, what a controlling pastor. He asserts his authority only because there are those who, even after they were encouraged to do so, didn't stop it. In other words, they're encouraged to stop it, but they don't. And so he says, hey, stop it. Did anybody ever train a dog? You know they don't learn to sit on the first time you're teaching them. And so he asserts his authority. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as we get a whole picture here of what's taking place. Verse 14, and we urge you, brothers and sisters... Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. 
and be patient with everyone. He, he warned them in the first letter, and so now he's in the second letter, and he's saying, hey, I told you, get a job. So the Apostle Paul uses words like command and obey five times. Verse 4, verse 6, verse 10, verse 12, verse 14. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Wow. ZNIV again just says it a little differently. Do not associate with them in order they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as a fellow, a fellow believer. The, the New King James says as a fellow brother. It's talking about somebody who calls himself a Christian, but won't work, won't labor, won't serve, and he's sharply rebuking them. He's commanding them. Hey, stop it. Apostle Paul is speaking these words. He, the words command and obey are words that are used in military circles. And really, they're, they're military words that are being used here in the text. Wow. Describes commands given to officers. And, you know, God's word is not suggested, suggestions. There are many commands in God's word. But many people don't have the life of Christ that he says that he offers to us because they actually take the word of God as suggestions. You missed a great place to say amen. It's not the ten suggestions. It's the ten commandments. And so it's amazing the, the authority that he, that he uses, that he commands them to obey. Wow. He says, hey, what's wrong with you? Obey. He speaks very strongly to them. The apostle Paul was speaking God's word, and it has authority, of the authority of God behind it. Wow. There's such rebellion in our culture. There really is such rebellion in our culture, and... And, and it's sad. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, says, says the Word of God. You know, there are some pastors and leaders that are very controlling. That is not us. We are not going to pick the color of your couch. We will not tell you who to marry. We're not going to control you. Our job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry and let you be led by the Spirit of God and be controlled by the Spirit of God and, and, and be led by His Word and His Spirit. That's, that's our job. It's up to you to do it, but not to be all controlling. And who you decide to marry, that's up to you. What house you buy, that's, that's up to you. But you still can't throw away authority. Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them an authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Gosh, I hate this scripture. No, you know what that's saying. Where, where's my staff? All right, where, where, all right, okay, uh, leaders, all you leaders, listen to me. Here's what it's saying. It's saying that actually you're going to have to give an account before God for the people that you're leading. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, he's going to, you're going to stand before him. Then anybody else going to be there and he's going to say, well, I, 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 you don't want to be like that. You, you want to, you're going to have to give it a good account for how you trained them. And uh, we said it before. It's funny. It's not true, but 
If you're not going to work and do something for Jesus, when you get to heaven, don't tell him you came to my church, all right? Very good. It's a joke. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. All right, let's look at the text. The problem that's seen is a laziness or an idleness and a disobedience to the teaching received from Paul. He basically taught them, look, here's how you do it. You work, follow my example. We didn't get any, we didn't beg for bread or didn't take anything from you. We labored even day and night as an example for you. And he says, he says, we could have asked for provision and that would have been right, but we didn't. We made an example of hard work day and night for you. And, and so there's this problem that they're not obeying and they're not, they're not doing it. Paul had to deal with it, dealt with it already, but it's, it hadn't followed through. Paul had lived out what he taught. He was not idle, verse 7. He paid for his own food in verse, in verse 8. He said, nor did we eat anyone else's bread free of charge. That means he wasn't, a, he wasn't freeloading. He wasn't just taking. He paid for his own food. He worked day and night. Everybody say day and night he worked. You know, there is a, uh, in ministry circles, there is, uh, I believe it's a bit of a gangrenous teaching, if you don't mind me saying. And it comes in, it comes in the package of having balance. That you know, you, you just don't want to work too hard. Now, I, I don't know how it is at your job or whatever, but they say in ministry, you don't want to work too hard because you could burn yourself out. And what I've found in some circles is that pastors are lazy. Not all the time. And certainly not here. And all of my staff said, we work very hard. We, we endeavor to keep a balance because, I mean, if, you, if, you were, if you're a workaholic and you blow your family up, that doesn't give glory to God either. But there are some that say, well, you just don't, you know, don't work too hard. You know, the word labor. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust forth laborers, thrust forth ekbalo. It's, it's, to, it's to push them out to work hard. Come on, night is coming. There's this urgency in the kingdom. And if you don't get that in your spirit and you just succumb to just being lazy and being comfortable, then you're in trouble, whether you're a pastor or whatever role you have. And Paul worked day and night, night and day, verse 8. He wasn't a burden to anybody. He had the right to be supported by them, but he chose not to, to be a model. In Matthew 10, 10, it says the worker is worthy of his keep. In 1 Corinthians 9, and I want you to turn there, 1 Corinthians 9, 9 through 14, let me read it for you. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he's threshing. God is not concerned, pardon me, God is not concerned about the oxen? He is. Or is he speaking altogether for your sake? Yes. For your sake, it is written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher ought to thresh in the hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things among you, is it too much that we reap material things from you? If others share in that right over you, do we much more? Nevertheless, we do not use this right. 
but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat food from the temple and that those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? Verse 14, so also the Lord directed that those who proclaim the gospel get their living from the gospel. He's quoting, in the, he's quoting the, the, the operation of the temple. The temple was run by tithes. That's how they were able to operate and do all that they were called to do. And he's telling them, look, do you not know basically that in the same way that the Old Testament, that the temple ran is exactly how the gospel moves forward too. And yet he says, you know, we didn't demand that from you. Wow. Some people think that tithing is, is something that, that KC made up. We didn't make it up. We teach it, unashamedly teach it. But it's God's idea. It's God's principle. Paul's saying, I have the right to receive your support, but instead I'm modeling what it is to do to work. Wow. And he gave him the rule. He gave him this rule. He said, a man, a man who will not work shall not eat. Their idleness, their idleness made them into busy, busy bodies, as the, the New King James says, or big mouths, gossip, meddlers is another way to say it. Chatterers, chin waggers, and windbags. <laughs> chin waggers. And Paul's speaking to the idol, and he commands them to settle down and work. What's he command them to do? Settle down and work. Wow. He speaks to the rest of the church to never tire of doing what is right. And he tells them how to discipline those who are disorderly or idle. Now, Matthew 18, 15, if people could get a hold of that, there would be uh, many churches that have less problems. We, we really don't have a problem of, of backbiting and strife. That, that's not here. It's not here because, I believe, because the word is preached by me and guests and my own staff so that we bring corrections. We, you know, you hear a word about, you hear a word about work and if you're, you realize that you've been eating someone else's bread and being lazy, then it's time to change. You hear about strife and you're like, oh, I think I've been strifey. And you learn to change. But he, he shows them how to discipline the idol. Matthew 18, 15, if anyone... Oh, we should turn there. Let's turn there. Matthew 18, verse 15. Praise God from whom all... Are you guys okay? You get it right? Matthew 18. Blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Moreover, Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. You and who? You and Facebook. It doesn't say Facebook. Does it say Facebook? Does your Bible say Facebook? It doesn't say Facebook. Does it say that? Does it say Instagram? Does it say tweet about your brother? Now, you know the things that I really can't stand? Now, I've seen this before. Because we counsel and help people. And I've seen before, after having a time of counseling with somebody, 
they'll go ahead and say something in Facebook that's really castigating the person that they're mad at, but they say it in a way, you know, that doesn't have the person's name on it. Don't you hate when people blah, 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 blah. You're talking to him. He knows you're talking to him. You know you're talking about him, and you say it anyway. Oh, but I didn't use any names. Oh, shut it. Your brother sins against you. Go and talk to him, you and him alone. Come on, it's right there. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. What do we do if he doesn't hear me? Well, you move to verse 16. If I'm not here, you take another one with you, two or more. And that's not, a, that's not some gossiping person. That's a spiritual person, someone who's got character, someone who's got integrity, someone who works hard, time-tested, someone who keeps their word. You bring somebody like that. And if he hear you, take one. If he won't hear you, you take with you one or two more. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now that's not standing up here. I'm not going to give you the mic. You ain't telling anything about anybody else. From the, that's not how that is. All right. That's you bring it to you bring it to godly leadership within the church, and you begin to take care of it that way. Amen. And we've gone through these steps, but many people don't do that. They go right to Facebook, right to gossiping, right to backbiting, right, right to their prayer partner, which is another name for a gossip for some people. You can't, but you wouldn't believe what she did. She did. Did you see that? Did you see that girl? Did you see what she did? If you're offended, listen, then you're suspended. And you just, you'll just not move forward in God. And you'll be, you'll be the frozen chosen. You'll just be sitting there not moving forward in God. And you'll be disconnected from the life of God. And you need to get healed. And what do you need to do? You need, you need to talk with them. Listen, I've been convinced at times that somebody was offended at me. I mean, I knew that they were. I could tell the way that they looked at me and all that. I, I've, I've gotten over that. Because I've been so wrong so many times. Because when they're looking at me, I realize they were looking at their kid behind me. I figured that out later. I did And really, they're looking at their little kid, but you don't see the kids behind you. They think, oh, she's looking at me. What are you looking at? <laughs> not even looking at you. And I've gone to people and said, you know, did I do something to hurt your feelings? They're like, what? No. And so you're able to clear it. Oh, okay. So we're all good? Oh, yeah, we're good. Because I saw the way you were. No, I wasn't looking at us. I'm offended at that other person. <laughs> And you can help them try to resolve that. He tells how to discipline the lazy and the idle. And it's, it, it's sad that it would be for somebody to walk past a house that's on fire. You wouldn't walk past a house that's a blazing inferno with kids screaming from the second floor, would you? Would you, would you do something? Would you call 911? Would you do something? If a house is on fire and people are screaming inside, wouldn't you? I mean, there's a big hose right there. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you turn the, the hose on? Right, every loving person would. And I'll just tell you that many people never really get their lives changed because they don't have people that love them enough to slap them. Now, some people just want to slap and not love. You can't do love. You can't, you cannot, don't start slapping. Hey, I saw you. Yeah, come on in. Come on in. Don't, don't try to pick the speck out of your brother's eye because you've got a pole in yours. That's what Jesus said. 
So you be careful how you do that, right? And you get this big telephone pole coming out of your eye, and you try to, can I help you with that? Can I help you? Here comes the telephone pole. Duh. Yeah. Can I help you with that little speck? You got a log in your eye, Jesus said. But at the same time, Paul brings correction. And I'll just tell you, if you've got people in your life that you're in relationship with, and they've got things that are out of order, it's like a house on fire, and it really is up to you who are spiritual to correct and to bring love. Loving, listen, love slaps. I don't know if you've ever seen a kid raised without discipline, but that, that is like, oh man, it's brutal. And you wonder why nobody wants to invite you over their house. Well, the last time you were there, Johnny cleaned off the coffee table, broke the crystal from the, you know, the, the, the wedding gift, smashed the stuff. Oh, he's just a little rambunctious. He needs a spanking for God's sake. He needs a beat down. Can somebody say amen? A loving correction. Now that's been abused. That has been abused. And some of you have been abused. And I, and I don't make light of that. That's sad. But there is loving correction done the right way. And the truth is, if you don't do that with a child, then you will not raise a godly son or daughter. You have to hold their feet to the fire. You have to, you have to teach them and instruct them. And correct them. And chastise them. Those whom the Lord loves, He chastises. I, I told the story. Uh, they had this, I was at Northern California. This is talking about correction. It's important to bring correction. It's very important. I heard one preacher say this to me. If you don't correct stuff in your church, then you'll have Satan running your church. And I thought... Satan is not running my church. So there's things that need to be spoken to from time to time. There was this young boy, and uh, well, young, he's 16 years old. A 16-year-old kid, and uh, he was beating his mother. You heard me. His mother would try to enforce the rules, and the 16-year-old would slap his mom around. And, uh, and the mom was terrified of him. He might have been 15, 15, 16. The father was a big strapping guy, hardworking. I mean, he was at work all day long. And, and they basically had this terrorist kid, you know, a little tyrant in the house. And they didn't know what to do, and they were convinced that he was demonized. And they heard about the revival meetings that we were doing, and they came. And uh, they came up for prayer. And uh, they come, and they... It's the dad and the mom and uh, the younger brother. And they stood there and they said, we need prayer for our son. I said, okay, where is he? Uh, he, he he's, he's back there. We, we made him come and he came. And I look back and there's this kid sitting with his arms folded, big strapping young man. I said, well, what's the problem? I said, well, he's, 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 he's beating my wife. I said, What? I said, yeah, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to pray for you. I'll be right back. I prayed for all the rest of the people. I said, I want to talk to you after service, and I want to talk to him too. So service ended, and they started telling me what happened. They started telling me about how uh, when they try to enforce the rules on this 15-year-old, that he gets upset and demands his way and terrorizes his mother. 
I said, how long has he been doing this? And the, the wife looks down and the husband looks down and said, well, a long time. I said, did you discipline your kid when you were raising him? And they still have their heads hanging down. No, no, not really, no. And I just said, my goodness. Now, while I'm talking to them, the 15-year-old has the unmitigated gall of walking past his mother, and he hits her. I grabbed him by his stupid little Jack Ralph Lauren jacket and blasted him off his feet. I became very unpastoral. I forgot I was in church. Something came over Something came over me. I grabbed him, lifted him off his feet. He's on his toes. And I said, you do that one more time. I will beat you within the inch of your life. Do you understand? He goes, yeah, understand. I said, you're going to sit down and not say one thing. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. I said, said good. Just come sit right here. Got it? Yes, I got it. I, got it. I said, good. It's good. Great. <laughs> Went back to the family. I said, you haven't disciplined him. I mean, you have raised a, he's demonized, yes, because you haven't trained him. You haven't disciplined him. You need to repent. And this kid, need, he needs a two by four. I mean, in the love of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? I actually called Dr. Morocco in the midst of it. Because I'd never seen anything like it. So I called my pastor. I said, uh, hey, doc, I got an unusual one. I told him the whole story. And he said, oh, that, that, kid needs, that kid needs real correction. And he was playing this video. The big upset was over his video game. And it was, uh, what was it? No, it wasn't Pokemon. That's another story. No, it was, uh, it was the auto, Grand Theft Auto. Man, he wanted to play his Grand Theft Auto. Some of you are like, oh, we play that all the time. <laughs> I'm ta- we're talking about the, the Apostle Paul is bringing correction to those who are idle and don't, have, don't work. But there has to come correction. I'm just talking generally. There has to be words of life that are spoken to people, spoken to our loved ones, spoken to husbands, spoken to wives, spoken to kids. There has to be correction. You cannot just let free willy just run all over the place can't whistle dixie while going over a waterfall so the discipline here the apostle paul says if you genuinely love them correct them right and and the discipline is keep away from those who are idle and lazy he says take special note of him i mean it's crazy he he says he says do it so they'll feel ashamed I'm reading the Word of God. This is, not, this, is not, this is not my opinion. It's the Word of God. So when somebody is corrected and they don't change, they don't get a job, they don't start working, and they remain idle, it says that you should actually stay away from them so that they feel ashamed, that you shouldn't have fellowship, drink coffee, you shouldn't be buying their stuff, you shouldn't be giving them one stinking cent, not one dollar. And I've known people that have been so codependent over somebody who could... I'm not talking about somebody who's disabled. I'm not talking about somebody who's struggling maybe with a mental illness or a physical ailment. We're not talking about that. We're talking about somebody who's sound, who can work. They can stand, they can walk, they can talk. They're not disabled, they're able-bodied. That's what this is talking about. If somebody's disabled or handicapped, 
we pray for healing and you pray for a miracle. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who's well able to do something and they don't. You're supposed to, be, you're supposed to correct them and you should not endorse their laziness. I've had people say, well, I, I, I don't have anything to eat. And I know full well they don't want to work. They've told me, no, I'm not going to work. And I tell them, well, you don't work, you don't eat. And we've had compassion and mercy and so on and so forth. May they be hearing this message at some time. Maybe they get it on YouTube or something. Yeah. Don't associate with them so that they repent. And that really is the goal. Not that they would be ashamed, but so that they would repent and change. There's people in the church that want to take advantage and think it's fine. Don't, don't allow a wolf to come and devour your stuff. And we're all growing. You know, we all, we're, all, we're all growing in God. and It's just important that when he puts his finger on things, he go, oh, shoot, I need to change. You know, it's not always fun. I, I, you know, I, didn't, I thought the taxes, you know, the tax man, the IRS, I basically thought they were equivalent with Satan. And uh, so... No, this is early on. They're similar. But I... It's a joke. And so, you know, there was this great thing called being paid under the table. Oh, I'm paying, get paid cash under the table. Well, do you know, it's not, there's no under the table for God. You all know that, right? So I remember I was making $20, $25 an hour cash under the table. And so, you know, I was working 45, 50 hours a week, and that was a decent wage. I was doing, I was blessed. I was tithing. I was just in love with my wife, and it was, everything was awesome. Little baby on the way. Hallelujah. Praise God. Went and got myself a truck and just blessed. And I'll never forget walking, skipping in the back of the church in first service, just filled with the joy of the Lord. I was just like, whoa, can't wait till church. Church is awesome. I mean, that's how I still feel that way. Walking in the back, and I run into uh, Flo Morgan. I think you remember Flo. This is Flo Ann Morgan, and Jerry was her husband. And, and they were business people. And uh, so she sees me. She says, hey, Daniel, how you doing? I said, man, I am blessed, blessed, blessed. I'm blessed in the city. Ha! I'm blessed in the field. I'm I was just going off. And she, she's kind of rejoicing with me. And I start telling her, I said, man, I got this job, and I'm making 25 bucks an hour cash under the table and I'm just blessed I get this truck my beautiful wife she says Dan Daniel 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 I said what she says you know you still need to pay taxes I was all it's like I bind you Satan right now I said oh yeah she says oh yeah you still need to pay taxes son praise God man it's going to be a great service and she walked off and I was like All these weeks and months of making cash under the table. And I've, of course, eaten it all. You know, it's all gone. I've tithed, I've given, and, you know, waiting for the next paycheck. Because I didn't know how to plan. Didn't know how to be a good steward of my money. And so it comes down to tax time. Of course, I didn't, get, I didn't tell my wife about that. And I was handling the finances back then. Jesus, help us. We've grown since then. They come tax time, and it's like time to fill out your forms. 
And as I'm standing there, you know, you're going to lie or you're going to tell the truth. Are you a liar? Liars go to hell. Or are you going to tell the truth? And so you're, I'm standing there realizing, oh, if I write down the real number, man, I'm going to owe like 20 grand. And there I did it. Uh, I wrote the real number down. Turned it in. And they came like a hound. But the Lord saw all that. And, you know, we were able to overcome. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. I'm just so thankful for people who are willing to speak into my life and correct me. Listen, if you have not been corrected lately, you probably haven't built relationships in a way where, where you trust people enough to speak into your life. If you're the only one that can really bring correction to yourself, you're messed up. Come on, my wife corrects me. My kids correct me. Not all the time, though. The Lord corrects me. First and foremost, and you have to remain sensitive to him. I've got loving relationships with people who hold my shut-up card. Who holds yours? I said, who holds yours? What do you mean by that? Who has the card to be able to pull that thing out and say, hey, shut up. Sit down and stop it. Who could do that to you? And you listen instead of get, get all offended and like. I am preaching better than you're amening tonight. I'm trying to help you. This is real Christianity. There's loving correction, right? That doesn't make you the spiritual cop. You're not the spiritual state trooper for the church now. You get to run around and correct everybody. Because if you do that, you're going to be corrected. And, you know, in my earlier years, I would, I would really just jump at correcting people. I, I've learned to wait a little bit. Sometimes I probably need to wait a little bit more. And I learned that from Dr. Morocco, who we had a, a staff person years ago who, well, he was going through some stuff, and I didn't know what he was going through, but he seemed a little bit out of order in one of our meetings, and I kind of wanted him corrected. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You're sitting in a meeting, you're like, well, why doesn't he tell him to be quiet? Am I the only one that thinks like that? Okay, so... So, you know, doctor doesn't, and it bothered me so much, I decided, let me, let me go get some counsel. I'd like to know what was the, 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 what was the leadership principle there. And so I went and I knocked on doctor's door and I said, can you have a second? Yeah. Hey, listen, in that meeting, you know, and so-and-so kind of said such and such, it really bothered me, and I'm kind of wondering why you didn't correct it. He says, Pastor Daniel, there will be times when I correct. He said, at other times, I like to leave room for the Holy Spirit to correct. He said, because when the Holy Spirit corrects, that problem gets fixed. He said, I, 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 said, I, he said, I might talk to him. I, I, I don't know. But just to understand that you need to be sensitive. Leave room for God to move. All right. Don't treat them as an enemy, but as a brother you're concerned about. Galatians 6, when brothers and sisters, if anyone is called in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, another version says, you who are spiritual should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, for you may also be tempted. <laughs> Don't raise your hand if you ever got sucked into the vortex of somebody else's stuff. 
but I have. Wow. All right, what's God saying? Well, get a job. It's the first thing he's saying to you. <laughs> ah, someone say, get a job. Get a job. Work. 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 Come on, somebody say, work it. Work it. It's good to work. It's, it's a godly thing to work. If you're able to get a job, if you're able to work, work. You know, I, I met this man from Manchuria. Is that where he's from? He's from China. Had zip. Moved here. His kids are going to Ivy League schools, and he's managing a main, you know, the, a main chain of restaurants in two different states. He's the overseer for the whole thing. Don't tell me you can't get a job. That's nonsense. I've seen folks move up here, and I'm going to move to Alaska, and they move to Alaska, and for months they don't have a job. They're able to work. I'm not talking about disabled. I'm not talking about somebody who needs counseling or healing or they're physically handicapped. I'm talking about somebody who's well able to work. They're what? They're well able to work. And for months they live at somebody else's house, they eat somebody else's food, and they don't put hardly any applications go in. That is a lazy person. Hello? Some of you are like, yeah, he's living with me right now, as a matter of fact. Well, maybe you need to instruct him in the Lord. The holy hobo. You know what a hobo is? Raise your hand if you know what a hobo is. It's a bum. I mean, you just eat somebody else's food. Drink somebody else's drink. Can't get a job, can't work, constantly looking for rides, constantly looking for handouts when they need a sharp correction and a rebuke and help. You know, laziness can be a spirit. The Bible says don't hang out with a lazy person here. Do you know that he actually can get on you? All right. Work, don't be idle. Secondly, we have a responsibility to help others live right. Am I my brother's keeper, says Cain. What's the answer to that? Yeah, you are. That's the answer. I've heard people say, am I my brother's keeper? Actually saying, I'm not my brother's keeper. But in the body of Christ, believers, people that love God, yes, we're supposed to look after each other. We're supposed to love each other enough to bring correction. Amen. Listen, that's the beauty of being a part of a, a church with covenant relationships. And I furthermore, I think that's another reason you should not jump around from church to church. And we have a lot of visitors here, and I know Sunday night they don't have church anywhere else mostly, and, and I'm glad you're here. If you're visiting, praise God, I'm not, I'm not talking to you. But you need to find a place. If you're not rooted and grounded somewhere where you're developing relationships where people can help you grow and teach you and you can get discipled and learn to serve. Learn to what? Learn to serve learn to serve, then, then you're never going to reap the benefits of the blessed life that God has for you and the depth of relationships. What a warm word tonight. We have a responsibility to help others live right. Would my uh, worship team come, please? Live the word. Everybody say, live the word. And be a model to others. Live the word and what? Be a model to others. So ask yourself this question in conclusion tonight. Didn't preach long to you. I'm wrapping it up. 
ask yourself this question. How, who are you, how are you modeling your Christianity? How are you modeling Christianity? What does that look like? I mean, if somebody was to follow, Paul said, Paul lived in such a way that he said, follow me as I follow Christ. If people were following you, how, what would that look like? Would that, would that be good? Is this conviction I feel in here? What is, what is it? You're tired? I know I can do better. Anybody else? Come on, let's ask God to help us to be a model of, of love. That we would be Christian means Christ-like. Christians is little Christ or Christ-like. What would Jesus do? You remember those bracelets all those years ago? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, you read the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find out exactly what Jesus did. So you want to be a good model for for, for the Lord, people will be able to follow you. Look, for all of you leaders, what you do is what other people will do. And if you have children, what you do, I don't care, you know, do what I do. You know, do what I say, not what I do, right? Yeah, wrong. They will always do what you do. You can tell them that. When they get old enough to do, they're just going to do exactly what you did. Praise the Lord. Would you stand up on your feet all across this place? Come on, just talk to Jesus. Come on, talk to Him tonight. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, I love when the Lord corrects me and then gives me the strength to change. Because then I don't need my wife to. I don't need somebody else to correct me because God, the Lord's always speaking. He's always reaching out, trying to help you. Many times we've got wax in our ears and we don't hear. And then it takes somebody else to come. The Word of God is, is true, it's sure, it's real, it's, it's absolute truth. And how to live is right here. If you learn to do it, then you'll live the, bless, the blessings that it says you can have. But sometimes we get stuck and thank God for people who love us enough to correct us. Amen? So if you're not working you're able to get a job can you say amen there's a whole bunch of people in America that need to get a job get off the welfare system you know thank God for welfare for those who, who need it who really needed it food stamps that kind of stuff but it's not meant to be three generations deep not even meant supposed to be one generation deep it's just a crutch real quick to get back on the on track and to get going. And America has become a bunch of, not the whole nation, there's a remnant. But just make sure, if you're gonna call yourself a believer, you're gonna follow Jesus, get to work. Somebody say amen. You're like, I don't really like this message, Pastor. Yeah, well, repent, praise God. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus, just talk to him. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for touching us and strengthening us. Help us, Lord, to love one another deeply, even from the heart, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Thank you, Lord. We pray for those who are in need of work or jobs that you'd grant them to them. Lord, that you would help us to be a healthy, 
body that rightly models what real Christianity is in the marketplace, not just in word, but in deed. Lord, the way that we tip, the way that we walk, the way that we talk, the way that we drive, heaven help us. Lord, that we would rightly model what it is to be Christians in the community. God, we thank you that we'd be people of excellence, people of our word, that our word would be our bond. It would be the hardest working, diligent, on time, even early, faithful, loyal employees that rightly represent you everywhere that we go. That we'd instruct our kids. Come on, kids are here. You, you got kids, all you parents? Ask God to help you to raise them. Lord, we ask for your help tonight. We ask that you'd help us to raise our children, to learn to lovingly correct them. Lord, not abuse, but loving correction. Lord. God, we give you praise. Hallelujah. I need to just finish the story and I'll close, but back in California, the kid that was beating his mother. I found out that the details is the father was the sheriff for the whole county. And in the course of the 15 years of raising their child, the father absolutely gave his life for the law. And not that, that that's wrong, but there were some things out of balance. He was day and night, night and day. He wasn't home. He didn't play catch, didn't play ball, didn't keep his word to the kid, didn't train him, didn't instruct him, and felt guilty about it, right? And so the guilt was so strong that when he came home, eventually, he didn't feel, he felt like if he was to discipline the child, then, then that, that wouldn't be right. So he just would try to comfort him and, and help him. And the mom felt so guilty about it because of the way that she was raised. She went through abuse. So she never wanted to do one thing to bring correction to the kid because it reminded her of that, that unhealed place in her. So what you happen is they raised the tyrant themselves. They developed the little, the little tyrant in their house because of a lack of correction and instruction and reproof because of unhealed places on the inside of them. And I can relate to some of that. I don't know about you. I needed God to heal me. You know, some of you, you might just need some healing. I'm going to pray. We're not going to single anybody out. We don't want to bring embarrassment or any shame to you. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit can heal you right now. In fact, if you've gone through abuse in your home when you were being raised, I'm just going to pray for God to heal you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for healing for the fits of rage and anger and physical abuse that's taken place on some of these that are here tonight. I pray that you'd pour in the oil, you'd pour in the wine of your spirit, and that you would heal them. You'd free them from the trauma, from the fear, from the pain, and the control. Lord, even those who've been through controlling churches or pastors or leaders Lord that you'd release people and heal people from that Lord heal the broken hearted heal the traumatized right now in the name of Jesus God we thank you and we praise you and we bless your name hallelujah every head bowed every eye closed if you're not right with God won't you give your heart to Jesus tonight for the first time or make a recommitment to Him all across this place, those online, if that's you, just raise your hand.
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I see that hand. Pray with me right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. And just as Jesus rose again on the third day, raise me up. Give me new life. Right now. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you and we'll close tonight. Holy Spirit, I ask and pray that you bless and fill and touch each and every one in Jesus' precious name. Baptize us afresh, God. Lord, bless your people this week. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. We we'll hope to see you Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.